This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions because it's time to dish the dirt. On The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Good morning and welcome to The Garden Show on Zoomer Radio with Charlie Dobbin. Yes, indeed, aided and abetted by yours truly, Dean Holland. How are you this morning, Charlie? I'm great. How are you, Dean? I am great as well. Uh, you know what? Any Saturday that I get to spend with you is a great Saturday. <laughs> oh, thanks. Well, I mean, I will. I don't want to start just on a you know being a complainer, but I'm back. <laughs> to, I'm back to wanting rain at my place. Mm. Yeah, probably. Yeah, we, not. we continue to get a steady mix, and I have repeated what you have pointed out to a lot of people. I've said, <laughs> you know what? I'm being told by. You know, Charlie Dobbin, that the farmers are really pretty darn happy this year because they've got a really good mix. Well, that's true. And if I was running a farm, I wouldn't be so happy. But um, just I think it's just where I am. I mean, <clears throat> the clouds go by. Uh, they go around us. Um, talking to one of the big um, market gardener uh, called Lakeshore Farms here in Prince Edward County, chatting with them the other day, they said, oh, we don't want any more rain because the tomatoes are starting to split. Oh, I, I see. Said, oh, but I could take some rain at my place. They are right down at the south end of the county. Of course right they are. The lake uh, in Wellington. And they gotcha. get more rain there than we do, I think. Isn't that anyway, crazy? Okay. I'm just uh, starting to dance again. Yeah. Okay. Listen, I want to give out the numbers. So uh, if anybody has a any question about gardening inside or out, maybe it's about the rain, maybe it's about the not rain, uh, <laughs> give us a call. If you live in Toronto, the number is 416-360-0740 or uh, anywhere else outside of Toronto. It's a toll-free call in the province of Ontario, one 740 for 740. And do let Duncan and Ashima know if you are a first-time caller and I... We'll give you your garden wings. I love to do that. Call often, call early, and please, 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 one question per call, right? <laughs> exactly. And exactly. and many times callers will call again. Mm-hmm. Right. That's the way to do it. That's the right etiquette is that you <laughs> is that you call it right. That's the that's the garden show etiquette is that if you have another question, don't try and squeeze it in there and, you know, make me put the air horn on, you know, or whatever. <laughs> it's just hang up the phone, call back again. That would be great. Okay. Okay. Well, you and I have to take our first break, but when we come back, we will be we will have much more here on the garden show. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Yes, we are back here on The Garden Show, and I just, I did a count, finally, and in that theme music there, he lists 17 different types of flowers. <laughs> Sounds wanted, like my garden. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure you have more than 17. <laughs> and before we get to our callers, I want you to tell us what's coming up. Yes, mark your calendars. Big announcement. 
Healing Gardens Season 2. That's the documentary series that I've been hosting uh, that's all about we travel the world visiting and meeting gardeners who who very specifically are aware of and supporting healing within gardens. Uh, Season 2 is launching brand brand new episodes Monday, September 4th, 9 p.m., Vision TV. And for the next five Mondays, right through till October 2nd, there will be brand new episodes of Healing Gardens Season 2, 9 p.m., Vision TV. Beautiful. I am looking forward to it. It's very, very exciting. <laughs> and you know what else is exciting? Getting our first caller of the day. <laughs> we have uh, we have Lewis on the phone from Toronto. Welcome to the Garden Show. Hi there. How are you guys doing? Uh, I'm good. Excellent. How are you, Lewis? Uh, fine, thanks. Um, it's good to be the first one. And uh, um, you, the, somebody was complaining about not having water. Here in Toronto, we've had very little water. Oh. Every time it rains, it's very little. Like, I have um, containers outside to see. Most of the times when it does rain, it's like a quarter of an inch of water in the container, right. which is nothing. That's right. So we are due. We're all due for more more rain as we get towards the end of summer. Normally it does rain. So that's why I'm just crossing my fingers that normal will happen. <laughs> okay. By the way, my chayote, um, I haven't had too much success with it. Um, it's still green. It's still growing. But uh, one of the leads died off. Now there's new leads. I'm trying to moisten it and whatever. It might be too much heat for it where I put it. Well, I don't, they, um, it seems to me they were heat lovers. They were. They really love the heat. It's yeah, but they don't like extreme heat, though. That's the thing. Uh, my, my my wife has a cousin in Portugal. She has two of them. She has one one spot that gets a little bit of shade. The other one's more in the sun. And the one that's more that gets a bit of shade is better off than the one that's in the sun. So right. there you go. Yeah. You know, live and learn. Anyway, um, my question was about uh, soil for cactuses. How to mm-hmm. make the right soil for oliveira plants, cactuses, whichever. So. You can buy cactus soil uh, in a little bag. Um, I've seen it certainly at garden centers, home stores. Um, Usually it's not like a big bag. It's not the big 30-liter bags. It might be, you know, five liters at the most. All it is is a regular potting mix with extra drainage. So it'll have, uh, it should have uh, a real, like a horticultural sand. So horticultural sand has a lot of grit in it. It tends to be like small gravel, big, it's not play sand. It's not that soft, you know, make make mud pie sand, but it's real gritty kind of sand. So you can make your own by adding, like I say, horticultural sand, about one part sand, to 10 parts potting mix. Just make sure everything's clean and sterile, fresh, mix it all up and and use that to pot up any of your cacti or succulents. Yeah, I bought it like a few years ago. I bought a bag at Home Depot, one of the boxing box, uh, boxing stores anyway, uh, build boxes, uh, whatever. <laughs> Sorry. Um, but um, the soil was no good. It was almost like regular soil. It had no sand in it. it you can tell that it had sand in it or whatever mm. for drainage. So I don't like it. That's uh, why I was thinking of mixing my own. Yeah. Okay. No, I, I hear you. Um, it should be different. I mean, there are ways to do a comparison test. Uh, to It's all about water holding capacity, right? So yep. it might look the same to your eye, but it might actually drain much more quickly, meaning that it doesn't hold water as long as a regular potting mix. Or mm-hmm. it could be, you're right, it was a bum bag. I'm not sure. <laughs> okay. Thank you very much. Anyway, keep the show up yeah, and keep the answers coming, and we need you. 
Thanks so much for calling again. Yeah. Thanks, Louis. <laughs> Have a great weekend. Bye bye. You too, Louis. Thanks. Okay, Char- Charlie, you were that girl, weren't you? You were the little girl making mud pies, I'll bet. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I could just see it, just the way it just rolled off your tongue there. And I thought, I think that that was Charlie Dobbin as a little girl. Well, yeah. actually, that's, I think, sort of how my name came about is because yeah. my mom really wanted a girl and she had boys <laughs> already. And when she, I was born, she was very excited and named me Charlotte and dressed me in pink and just had all these <laughs> visions of me being this sweet little girl. But frankly, as soon as I could walk, I was out the door making mud pies. And I'm pretty proud of my mud pies, I'll tell you. Yeah, so I'll she, she looked at me one day dripping in mud from head to toe and just went, oh, my gosh, you're not a Charlotte. You're a Charlie. Yeah. <laughs> I was I, like, I, I, Yeah. I think that was a very, very um, astute observation is what I <laughs> kind of stuck. The name kind of stuck. <laughs> That's great. It's a great name. It's a great name. OK, um, you know what? We're going to go to our next break before we go to our our next caller. OK, because we're really close to the break time. So we'll be right back with much more on The Garden Show. Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Yes, welcome back to The Garden Show on Zoomer Radio. And, uh, Charlie, let's go right to our next caller. We have uh, Mark calling from Whitby. Uh, welcome to The Garden Show, Mark. Good morning. Good morning. Um, I have a question. We got lily of the valleys in our garden, and we, they keep coming back every year. We've tried to grow every year. We put hot, we put hot water on them. We were told, but it didn't seem to help. I just wondered how we can get rid of them so they don't come back every year. <laughs> Funny, eh? Either we love them or we hate them when it comes yeah. to the valley. Uh, all right. It is a bit of a challenging one because the root is surviving underground. Um, hot water, like boiling water, technically should kill Lily the Valley. Uh, the only other real way to eliminate is by digging. Uh, I don't think of it as a super deep plant. Like it might be six, eight inches deep into the soil. So if you can thoroughly dig over the area or perhaps if it's an area that was Lily of the Valley and you want to just eliminate it, you could consider solarizing that area. That's putting um, a tarpaulin over top of just laying on the surface of the soil with the edges all held down by rocks or logs or soil and leaving that tarpaulin there for, well, certainly over a, a nice hot summer is the best time to do it. So if you did it now, you'd leave it until next summer. And the idea is that the sun bakes the soil and kills what's beneath the soil. It works very well with invasive weeds sometimes if you if, you, if it's a specific area that's just the problem area and you can just kill everything obviously worms and and all the things we love can move on out from underneath the tarp but the plants are stuck and they do ultimately die yeah because it's not a big area it's a small area and um we've tried everything but they keep coming back yeah yeah they're pretty they're pretty um what's the word tough vigorous um lovely when they're flowering but not so lovely otherwise so yeah i mean try this i mean digging i know is onerous but it, it can be effective um and or try i mean the other if you wanted to see the other way you can definitely kill the valley is you can 
poison the soil, which will kill them. So road salt will kill Lily of the Valley, but then again, you're not going to be able to grow anything in that soil until you've neutralized that salt. So it kind of just depends how big the area is and what your long-term plans are. But um, yeah, something like salt can be neutralized. You um, you know, those flamethrowers they sell for burning weeds, I would not recommend. <laughs> Too many people that have almost burned their houses down with those. So don't don't go that route. But uh, yeah, um, yeah, anything that's going to make the plant incredibly unhappy will ultimately kill it. Okay, so what's your best suggestion again? Well, solarizing. Solarizing with a tarpaulin would be my, my first. Or boil, as their little noses stick up out of the soil, have some boiling, have, get, have the kettle on and pour boiling water on. As soon as you start to see growth, just pour boiling water where you see the little growth coming up uh, throughout the season, starting right in the spring, right through until fall. Oh, okay, so keep putting boiling water on them and polarizing yeah. them. Yeah, I mean, it'll again, ultimately, they'll die. It won't happen overnight, but they will die if you stay on it. Oh, okay, so keep okay. on top of it. Yeah. Oh, Good luck with okay, that. Good well, luck with that, Mark. Yep. Okay, Rose, Lily, of the Valley are in hot <laughs> water. So, uh, yeah, they are very persistent. They are very resilient, aren't they? They are. Very. And they, and they shoot across, do they? Is that they kind of travel across and then they pop yeah. up? Under the exactly rhizomes under the ground, so right. uh, they they move sideways and they'll come up. I mean, it's most challenging when they start coming up around your preferred plants because mm -hmm. then it is very hard to use something like even boiling water because you're going to be damaging a tree or wherever the the lily of the valley is popping up. Um, the, yeah, it's a it's one of those things. It's yeah. I've seen so, them sometimes yeah. really happy and really controlled situations, but uh, but yeah, if they're taking over, it can be a problem. Well, we have them at one end of our house uh, between our neighbors, and uh, yeah, it's it's you know what they kind of do their thing. But it, if we wanted to get rid of them, it would be a chore because they have taken over that area. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, we'll be willing to share. Mm -hmm. Okay, next we're going to uh, the town. Hey, we're going to the town that I had my honeymoon in. We're going to Grafton, and we've got Shirley on the line. Welcome to the Garden Show, Shirley. Thank you. Um, my question is, we have a concrete um, water feature in the back of our property, and um, uh, a few years ago I put large potted plants in it instead of the water, and it looked very nice. Um I would, uh, but the potted plants have gotten so darn expensive, the big ones. Uh, if I feel that what, uh, um, it's concrete, it's about six feet wide by, but it's only seven inches deep. If I fill that with earth, um, would I be able to plant uh, like daffodil bulbs in there and they, they could survive? Uh, they could if there's drainage out of that concrete bowl. Well, there's, uh, a, there's a drain at the bottom. Oh, okay. And you're able to leave that open? Does it so it never fills with water then? Um, no, it, uh, if the drain is open, um, we could put, say, landscape fabric over that drain so the dirt doesn't go down. <clears throat> You'd want to do that. 
you know, a little piece of screen uh, yeah. would make a difference. I, would, I don't know if I'd use fabric necessarily because fabric doesn't drain as fast as you might want it to. Okay. When you've been putting the potted plants there, you've just been sitting the plants in the concrete bowl uh, and they're able to, um, when rain fills them with water or you fill them with water, yeah. they, they uh, drain into the, the drain of the concrete, I assume. That's yeah, correct. you could do that. Uh, assuming it's in sun, is how much sun is uh, this um, yeah, receiving? Yeah, it's in a sunny, lo- sunny location. But it's okay. just the, the potted yeah. plants. I, I need at least eight of them, and they've gotten so expensive. Um, that's why I'm, I'm looking for an alternative. Um, right. we, yeah. we put water in it again this year, but um, uh, it's just not as attractive to the eye to have the water mm-hmm. in it rather than you know, bright colored plants. So that's why I was wondering if I could put some daffodils in um, and, you know, their their foliage for the daffodils is um, more attractive and it lasts longer. I wouldn't need to plant as many maybe zinnias or something like that around. Right. But I don't I know if seven inches of of earth in a concrete structure is... Uh, well, the daffodils will survive, or they'll freeze. Um, it, no, well, I'm assuming, okay, so is the bowl suspended above the soil, or is it yes. tucked down into the soil? No, it's above the soil. Oh, okay, good point. Oh, you're right. Um, hmm. It's going to be a little bit cold. Well, daffodils are pretty tough. <clears throat> I would try it. Seven inches is deep enough. Um it, but it is going to be, it is going to freeze. The question is, will the daffodils survive? Um, because when we plant daffs, we only plant them like four inches deep, but they're planted into the ground. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, you could put some straw bales around the bowl for the winter just to insulate a little bit from the cold. Well, <clears throat> half of the concrete structure has boxwood um, uh, bushes around it. Right. Um, okay. So maybe the other half, like I said, maybe you could pack some, uh, whether it's straw bales or some some bags of leaves, you know, just get some green garbage bags, fill them up with leaves, maple leaves when they're falling this fall, uh-huh. uh, dry leaves, and fill up the green garbage bags, tie some knots, tuck them in around the exposed side. And again, it's not to keep them warm. It's to insulate from extreme temperature changes uh, okay. and that would probably heighten your chance of success okay i can All give right. it a try <laughs> okay. thank you thanks very much thank you okay yeah thanks for the call shirley and shirley will have to call us back in the spring and let us know how those daffodils are doing okay let's um you know what let's go to our next caller we have uh we have bob on the line and bob is a first-time caller calling from Kitchener. How are you this morning, Bob? I am very well, thank you. Yourself? I am well. I'm going to give you your garden wings, my friend. Well, there you, you go. Okay, <laughs> what do you got for Charlie there? Hollyhocks. Yeah. I planted some hollyhocks a couple of years ago. They were, they, they, they're just terrific. And I might mention, too, that uh, this rain you, you uh, mentioned earlier in the show, uh, my garden has absolutely thrived this year. I have uh, milkweed eight feet high. The, it's just unbelievable the growth. So anyway, hollyhock. Uh, they were doing really well, all, all in flower. And um, a couple of weeks ago, 
I noticed that the leaves were breaking down, uh, turning brown, and now they're totally gone. The hollyhocks of whatever blooms were on are, are, are shriveling. I, I, I presume I've got some kind of pest. I couldn't find anything um, actually eating them. So I'm giving up on them this year, but my question is, shall I now just cut them down or should I leave them for a bit? So what you're looking at right now are brown stems with no leaves and no flowers, right? Or yeah, yellow stems? Are, yeah, the flowers are withering, what were there. <laughs> and uh, on one of the plants, there's just about no leaves left. They, okay, they so brown and shriveled up. Yeah, and well, I mean, I was going to say, pro it's it's possible with all the rain, we we're talking about it being a, a good growing year. Hollyhocks, of course, like it really hot, really dry. Uh, right. So they might be showing a bit of a fungal infection from all the high humidity, which okay. ultimately, as you know, is not a problem because ultimately hollyhocks are going to die anyway. Once right. they flower, they set seed. The seeds are dropped to the ground below the plant, and the plant dies. Right. Either later that same year or the following year, the seeds will grow because hollyhocks are biennial. So it takes That's them two correct. years. Yeah. First year, just green leaves. Second year, flowers. So I, I wouldn't – yeah, I would just cut them down. No, but if, if there's any kind of seed pods – um, dried up flowers attached to what you're cutting down. Just give everything a good shake so that you're mm -hmm. dropping the seeds down to ground level uh, where they're growing. Also make sure they are in at least six hours of sun every day because they want lots and lots of sun. Yeah, yeah, they get that, yeah. <clears throat> I didn't realize they were a little susceptible to high moisture. Uh, um, well, that and the other thing they're very susceptible to is um, uh, the leaves get um, what it looks like somebody shot a shotgun through your hollyhock leaves because that it's called hollyhock rust it starts with little orange dots that yeah. you may or may not notice but then that orange tissue drops out and you're left with leaves that are full of holes and exactly um, hollyhock rust exactly is very right. common yes. by yes. by the time the humidity levels go up at the end of july early august yeah that's exactly what happened yeah, yeah. Don't no worry. This, I had the, the veins of the leaves, here. but the, the the material in between the veins and the leaves had gone. Mm. Right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Eventually, the rust spreads. Right. Eventually, the whole yeah. leaf dies, and yeah. usually the top of the plant survives. It all happens at the bottom of the plant. So we always say plant something in front of your hollyhocks, so you don't have to see those unsightly leaves that are going to happen every year in late July. Have, a, you know, some petunias or marigolds or so, a little shrub of some kind, something so you yeah. just don't see those those unsightly leaves. Usually the top of the plant survives. Charlie, believe me, the way things have grown in my garden this year, everything has just on top of everything. <laughs> Oh, yeah. You well, know, that, like, there you go. That's your high moisture levels and high humidity does lead to some issues. So, um, okay. Yeah. Air, so do much. everything you can maybe for next year, particularly if you have such a wet growing year. Just make sure that, you know, the trees are limbed up. The sun is allowed to penetrate. Any breezes can get into your garden. So you're keeping that air circulating and you'll keep your uh, fungal infections down. Perfect. Okay. Good stuff. Thanks for calling. Thank you very much. Thanks very much for the call there, Bob. Uh, the numbers to give us a call, we have room on the lines. Uh, if you live in Toronto, 416-360-0740. 
or one eight six six seven forty four seven forty. That is the uh, the number that you use if you live outside Toronto, anywhere in the province of Ontario. As I say, it's toll free. Okay, we have um, we have Barbie calling from uh, Burlington. Welcome to the Garden Show, Barbie. Good morning, and uh, thank you for taking my call. I'm calling about Columbine. I have uh, a three-year-old Columbine that is a short, it stays in a short bush, and it has uh, two-tone colors of cream Mm. and um, like a periwinkle. And I've been saving seeds like crazy, thinking, well, I'm going to grow these and have a lot of them and I've since learned that you cannot, they will not give you the identical plant. So my question is, can I propagate columbine by root or like taking a cutting or uh, by a leaf? How would I go about it and would that It's a good question. Um, So okay, there's different columbines. So just to be clear, um, if you have a cultivar, so you purchased the columbine or somebody gave you the columbine, but it's actually a named variety, so meaning it's got a single quote, a name, and a single quote, that's what we call a cultivar. And those, you are absolutely correct, will not seed or propagate themselves from seed that will be true to the to the plant. You might get some columbine growing from those seeds, but they may not be your preferred color. So you could you could watch and see what happens. It doesn't take them; they don't have to be very old to start flowering. So if you are saving seed, you could you know even next March, if you can start seeds indoors. Uh, start them indoors, but you'll have to give them a winter in the refrigerator or sprinkle them in an area where they can grow next spring and watch them to see what color they they ultimately bloom. Um, Otherwise, you're going to have to buy more of that plant if you love that plant. I, on the other hand, have a um, what we would call a wild type columbine. It's dark purple, one color only, and it seeds itself like crazy. I I shared it with all of Richmond Hill, and I brought some with me to to Prince Edward County, and now I'm sharing it with Prince Edward County. It does come up from seed, and it does come up exactly the same as the parent, Um, but it is not a cultivated variety, and it's not as showy. It's not a bicolor. It's just a simple dark purple, but it's lovely, uh, easy to grow, but um, but yeah, it so it's one of those things you can't there's no way that you can take cuttings from a columbine that I can think of and splitting wouldn't even work because it's a single stemmed plant with a taproot. So there's nothing to really split. No, so you couldn't take a leaf and try and uh, propagate it from a leaf. I don't think so. Um, here, let me just oh, now that you've got me thinking about it. Let me see. <clears throat> uh, so division. Hmm. Oh, just, you've opened you've opened up a can of worms now. Yeah. Well, okay, so Uh-oh. they talk about a dividing plant. So I guess it, if your plant is big enough, how big is your plant? Like how long ago did you plant it? Well, it's it's on its third year, and I hear that they have a life expectancy of three oh. years. So I I was kind of getting desperate when it, and it wasn't until this year that I heard that even gathering the seeds. I started gathering the seeds last year. The first year, there was just a couple blossoms on it, and I didn't cotton on to the 
the seed pod. So last year I started gathering seeds and they got upset and lost. <laughs> so this year I started again and uh, this is where I heard the seeds won't give you an identical plant. Right. Yeah, not so, necessarily for um, sure. It it's it's on its third year and I'm worried that I'm going to be losing it and I really like this and I wanted to spread it across the flower bed. And we do have the tall variety of columbine, and they do tend to change color. My mother looks and says, I don't remember planting color, but that's probably because they've reseeded and changed color. That does that sometimes possible? happen, yeah, with the reseedings. Yeah. yeah, I know, the whole question of color, it has something to do with the soil for sure, and it also has something to do with reverting, again, to wild type. Um, but I, I yeah. think the saving of the seeds is a good idea. You, so, so far you've collected quite a, an envelope of seeds, have you? Oh, yes. Yes. Good. And it's ongoing. So, <laughs> okay. No, that's good. So, I mean, I would certainly um, continue to do that. K keep them in a paper bag um, as they, yeah. they are mature. The little pods open. Keep the seeds in a, in a, or just throw the pods into a paper bag so that they're all together. And then, you know, eventually you have to open all those little pods up, get all those seeds out. And then you are going to have to give them a cool refrigeration period or plant them outside this fall, either way. Um, and then, you know what, it, it might work. You, we know that they won't, there's a percentage that will look like the parent typically, but there's also a large percentage that won't. But that doesn't mean you won't yeah. still love them. Yes, this is true. <laughs> I just may have a roadside stand up. <laughs> Start your own nursery. Sure. Why not? Just remember, six weeks in the refrigerator if you are going to try starting them indoors next spring. If you're not, then just get them out planted this fall before winter hits. Well, I okay, thanks for the call there, Barbie. Um, yeah, sorry, I have to go to break, but thank you very much, yes. and uh, best of luck on that, okay? <laughs> uh, we will be back with much more on The Garden Show. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Yeah, we are back here on The Garden Show. And Charlie, before we get to our next callers, there is a first-time caller emailer that I want to get to <laughs> that you received an email from, which was so much fun, from William in Cheshire, England, who listens to the show all the time. Hey there, William. Hope you're enjoying the show. He says he listens all the time, appreciates your advice, yeah. and uh, is also here, enjoys hearing how your garden is doing. He's pleased as of the last show that you finally got the rain you needed. <laughs> and he says that he has used Warner's famous tomato feeding recipe that you share on the show, and he has had fantastic results. That's right. Well, that's Warner's recipe. That's the uh, skim yeah. milk powder and the yeah. upside down water bottles. So yeah, just I'm sure Warner's listening. So heads, you know, heads up, uh, shout out to Warner as well. But yeah, thank you for the email. Will really appreciate hearing from from fans all over the world. And it's just fun. I can't imagine that Will's listening live because there's just too big of a time difference. But yeah. the podcasts are available. They're usually posted by Wednesday of the week that after the show and it's very simple just am740.ca podcasts the garden show they're all there 
Fabulous. And the other thing that he wrote in there is he says that I will be pleased to know that he does not have any questions about Amaryllis. <laughs> but, Love it. But you should give him his garden wings. There we are. There we are. Garden wings going all the way to the UK. There we are. <laughs> nice. And he's also looking forward to um, uh, enjoying your Healing Garden series as well. He if, also mentions that in the broad, in his email. Yes, if it ever is actually aired on TV in the UK. So mm. for now, Healing Gardens is a website. So I will uh, maybe mention that just before we finish the show that at usually, as soon as they air on Vision TV, they are available on the web, but only for a limited period of time. Gotcha. Okay. Let's go to our next caller. We have uh, Espy on the line from Mississauga. Welcome to the Garden Show, Espy. Thank you. Good morning to the two of you. Yeah, you as well. Thank you. You know, I always grow uh, chili plants every year. Only six years ago, my chilies were about seven inches long. This time I've got so many flowers, but no chilies. Is it because I'm putting little water at a time? Or am, am I supposed to flood the pot? <laughs> well, no. Okay, so they're growing in a pot. Yeah. So have you put any fertilizer in the pot? Yes, yes, I have organic fertilizer. Okay, and the pot has drainage holes? Yes. Good. So what I would do when you say flood the pot, if you're going to water a plant, particularly a potted plant, just sort of go big or go home, meaning either water thoroughly or don't water. So in the case, depending on the size of the pot and what it's made out of and how many plants are in the pot, you might be in this heat watering every day. You're probably watering at least every two or three days in hot, sunny weather we've been having. But make sure you water thoroughly so that the plant, the soil is saturated and the excess water flows out of the drainage hole. If the soil is super, super dry, it will shrink away from the edges of the pot and when you water it just runs right through and you're not actually achieving watering the roots so you have to go in there with a little fork break up the soil and over a period of about an hour slowly add you know half a cup at a time and at some point your soil will be saturated but do not water again until the plant is dry so like i say it depends on size of size of pot location in the garden, et cetera, et cetera, how often you should water. But yeah, potted plants do need to be watered more regularly than plants in the garden. All right. Thank you very much. And you all have a lovely weekend. Thank you. You as well. Yeah, thanks, Espy. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, do you like spice, uh, Charlie? Do you like hot peppers? I do, but Elliot doesn't. So I don't grow um, yeah. any hot peppers. But I have lots and lots of green peppers right now. And uh, so I'm, I'm totally hearing what Espy said. Like mm -hmm. flowers, I've got, like I say, probably, you know, two dozen green peppers just waiting for some color. Speaking of color, I must have about five bushel baskets of tomatoes coming. And so I've been searching recipes on roasting tomatoes and yeah. canning tomatoes and, and preserving and freezing and all these things because I got quite the tomato crop yeah. this year. Do they have a chapter in there? Maybe they have a chapter on giving your co-host a bushel of tomatoes. Maybe, <laughs> maybe that's in there too. Sure. Welcome to come and pick your own bushel anytime. Only I only grew four plants. Like we're not talking a crazy amount of plants, but they're very prolific. Uh, lovely, lovely. It's a it's a plant called <clears throat> Primo Red, so it doesn't get really tall. 
So they're only about four feet tall, but just so many stems and so many flowers and so many tomatoes, and they're so good. So BLTs, that's that's my mantra. Oh, love them. Yeah, lettuce and tomato time of year. Yeah, what would you do if I like in about four hours there was a knock on the door and I was there with <laughs> looking for my tomatoes? I say, did you bring your own basket? Yeah, <laughs> I will do that. Okay, I um, we are going to take our last break, but we'll be right back with much more on the garden show. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Hey, yeah, we are back here on The Garden Show, and we're going to go to a caller in a moment. Just uh, we have a little bit more time. Here's the number just in case you want to jump in with a last-minute call. 416-360-0740 is the Toronto number, or one 740 Give us a call. Right now we're going to uh, Uxbridge, Ontario. We have Frey on the line. Welcome to The Garden Show, Frey. Hello. Hey, how are you? Yeah. Good. What do you got for Charlie there, my friend? Uh, this is about a peony that's very old. Like um, We figure it would be about 80 or 90 years old. Uh, it had growth like you've never seen this year. Uh, no flowers. Um, it's, it's very old, and I don't know whether to cut it back or what should I do because uh, it's been around a long time. Has it been moved or transplanted at all? No, I haven't. It's been sitting there for 42 years. <laughs> In the same spot. Have you top dressed yep. with um, uh, organic, you know, like supplemented or amended the soil at all? It, it's. Um, it, no, I haven't touched the soil at all. I'll just watered it good and put a bit of. Um, manure on it, and that that's all. It's been good, it's really grown this year. Oh. Okay, uh, so okay, so no by flowers. adding the manure, you are amending the soil, so that's good. Is okay, so if it didn't bloom, okay, probably the manure well, manure is always a good thing, it adds organic matter and nutrient, which is probably why you saw that burst of growth, which is great. Nothing wrong with that. Just um, take a look. Make sure that you didn't raise the level of the soil over top of the peony tuber, which should be basically just below the surface. It should be just, you, you can't, you shouldn't see it, but it should be just below the surface. So quite high, basically, in the ground. Um, and you don't even need to worry about looking right now. What I would do is just leave the plant alone. Don't worry about the no blooms this year. Once we get a couple of good frosts, as you know, the leaves are going to turn all crispy. I always cut my peonies down in the fall because they start to, to grow so early in the spring. You want to get that old growth out of the way so that when they do start to grow in the spring, there's not all that old dead leaves and stuff in the way. Uh, and so when you're cutting down, like you get in there and you cut all those stems down so that the about an inch above ground level, just take a peek around. Make sure that you haven't raised the level of the soil 
with that manure addition to the point where the plant stops blooming. Because that's really the main reason why peonies don't bloom is that there's too much soil over top of the tuber. Oh, well, that's nice to know. Yeah, and that's yeah, great that's having very, a peony that old. That's probably very special and very fragrant. Well, my grandmother was uh, first, I'm 91. My mother's mm. 100, was 102. My grandmother was 98. Give you an idea how old it is. <laughs> well, great. very well, cool. Yeah, thank you very much for the call there, Frey. Good luck with that. Uh, right. We're going to go to uh, one last call here from Allison Hamilton. Welcome to the Garden Show, Alice. Hi there. How are you? It's Alice from Mount Hope, actually. I sent, oh, Charlie, yeah, <laughs> I sent Charlie a note about bringing plants in, and I thought, well, it'd be quicker just to call you. Um, I just wondered, should we start bringing them in at nighttime since it's starting to get cool at night, or should I wait a bit? Uh, no, I wouldn't go in and out a lot the way we do in the spring, going in and out to get the plants ready for uh, the hot summer. What's the biggest thing right now is making sure our plants are um, clean and pest-free before they come in. So I pretty much set aside a day for something like this, and it might you might be doing some um, pruning down of some of your tropical plants, Yes. Excuse me, as part of this bringing in or not. Main thing is, if they're in full sun now, start moving them into the shade. Get them ready for lower light conditions because when they go in the house, it's going to be less light than it is outside. So I kind of, it's like reverse hardening off. We, oh, okay. We get them, okay. Yeah, yeah, we get them ready for all that sun. Well, now you're going to get them ready for a lot less sun. So move them into the shade. Continue to water as necessary. And when you get to the point where you think, okay, this weekend is the weekend there. I'm bringing all my plants in. Then just get ready with some soap, some water, thorough washing, you know, spraying with a soapy water solution, thorough rinsing and thorough draining. And then into the house they go that same day. So you think they're still pretty good to sit outside yet for a while? Oh, for sure. There's, I mean, the lowest temperatures I'm seeing coming are about 13 degrees, which is still still nice and warm for most tropical plants. Okay, because it's uh, the magneta. I think I sent you a picture of her, but anyways. Um, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, no, they're fine. You, you, you're fine to leave those out. Okay. And all if right. you have Thanks Christmas lot, cactus, I enjoy your show out. all the time. Okay, thank you. Okay, yeah, thanks, Alice. And my goodness, here we are, Charlie, the last 30 seconds of the show. That's crazy how that goes by. Okay, I'm just going to say that again. Christmas cactus, if you've got them outside, leave them outside. You want them to get lightly frosted. Mm -hmm. Amaryllis, leave them outside for another several weeks. And I just went to visiontv.ca and then shows Healing Gardens, and it's all there about where where the next episodes are taking place, uh, what they're all about, and when they air. And like I say, they will be available on the web to watch these episodes for at least a week, I think, after each episode airs. So just so you know all that. Thank you, Dean. Thanks to Ashima. Thanks to Duncan. Couldn't do this without their help. And to the great callers. See you again next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads.
Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.